Righto there, and welcome to the rewrap for uh, Thursday. Uh, nearly had to look that up. Uh, all the, the, the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on Newstalk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, and this morning, uh, Mike goes off about legal legalising cannabis again. Uh, Clive James uh, has just gone off, unfortunately. And uh, we'll finish up with uh, discussing the proceeds of crime, particularly gang crime. Uh, but before any of that, uh, Mike's been watching uh, Adrian Orr pretty closely. I'm not sure why, but I'd assume the Reserve Bank would move on LBRs yesterday the same way I'd assume they wouldn't cut the OCR the other day. There was a logic for not cutting the interest rate, uh, but there seems little logic, as far as I can work out, for not letting first-home buyers get back into the housing market the way I think most would want and expect them to. Now, often it is forgotten when we use terms like locked out, that it applies to everyone. We paint pictures with reportage of vast swathes of young people saving desperately and watching their home dreams shattered by the actions of greedy Gen Xs and Ys who have had their chance at wealth and run with it. The rules, as they stand, do in fact allow low deposit loans to be given, so it is possible to get a house in this country with 10% deposit. The relaxing or otherwise we talk of is merely whether the bank's books should be further expanding to include more loans in this category. Now, part of my argument has always been that given the state of the banks, they should largely be left to their own devices. I mean, they know what they're doing. They know how to handle risk. They're not in the business of throwing good money after bad. No one wants a loan book full of bad debt, and they haven't produced that. So why not let them just read the market, read the demand, and read their business the way they want? Making the decision or lack of it, more egregious is, of course, the housing market is off and running again, and all that means, if you're not on the ladder, the ladder's getting less and less accessible. It is morally, financially, and socially irresponsible to prevent solid numbers of new entrants into a market that, if it, if, if it continues too long, simply means they will never get to enter at all. You can't afford the next generation to come through as a vast swathe of renters. The irony being, of course, that this government has made renting harder and more expensive due to the huge number of new rules around it. And as I said yesterday, if you want to limit money, do it with investors. Make the investor front half the cost or more of a house because the particularly galling thing about the investor's lot is that it's the leverage you get off the housing you already own that allows you to borrow more and more and more. So the investor owns 18 houses while the first home buyer can't even dream of one. It makes no sense. So Adrian and his mates at the RB are left with a policy. You think about this, a policy that encourages us to borrow and spend and yet at the same time, limits borrowing. To be fair, he and previous governors have all faced the cold hard reality, of course, that the RB have limited tools for a complex problem like the economy. But in this case, he has a direct tool and a specific answer, and he's refusing to do the right thing. It's uh, interesting. Mike, Mike gets quite exercised about this stuff, and I do wonder, a lot of people will often you know, suggest he should run for mayor, run for parliament, um, you know, that sort of thing. But I wonder if really Reserve Bank Governor is the job for him. I know it's a bit left to centre, but you know, just just a suggestion. Uh, certainly, I don't know if we need to put him in front of in, in charge of any kind of uh, medicinal drug policy or any other kind of drug policy, for that matter. I think we can be somewhat grateful to Canada this week for legalising cannabis a good year or so ahead of us. They're making a complete hash, no pun intended, of it. This week's news is the massive oversupply. The market went nuts, grew it like there was no tomorrow. So you now have warehouses, literally warehouses, full of this stuff. And you know what happens to the price when the supply side is out of kilter? Yes, it crashes. And the trouble is when it comes to drugs, cheap drugs then lead to greater uptake, which is fine if it's fruit and vegetables, but not if it's the sort of product that leads to dependence and psychosis. The legalisation in Canada 
had the same sort of ideological bollocks wrapped around it as the pro-dopers are peddling here at the moment. It's a health issue. It's a health issue. We want to offer support. We want to control the market. We want the bad guys out of business. Well, one year on, none of that has happened in Canada. None of it. In fact, quite the opposite. The illegal side of the trade has flourished, in fact. And here's the simple truth about government versus private enterprise when it comes to business, of which peddling dope is. The private sector always wins. It wins on agility, creativity, flexibility, and street smarts. They're not driven by policy, by politics, by agencies, by bureaucracy. They're driven by a bottom line. You want it, they got it. So not only do the Canadians have two and a half years' worth of supply in warehouses, they also have the psychological things they didn't even think of, all the red tape around the local councils and the authorities, some of whom want nothing to do with the policy. The edibles business that never got off the ground that drives a good chunk of demand, the government's inability to control the strength of the product. Dopeheads apparently in Canada like it strong. Not surprisingly, all issues filled quickly and efficiently by the black market. And the overarching fear that in this world of unsafe information and leaked detail, no one who deals in dope wants to be buying off a state agency for the simple and I suspect very real fear that they're going to be tracked and monitored. Once again, an area that the black market was only too happy to swoop in and offer comfort on. Cash works nicely, strong as you want, as much as you want, no questions asked. So, so far... We have rung on Chloe's advice, of course, Colorado, and we've talked to the law officials and the medicos in that part of the world, and they're pleading for us to not make the same mistake they did. And now, thank you, Canada, for what looks like the Kiwi build of cannabis reform. Um, so I get a bit tired of uh, being told what Canada's doing and whether what we're doing is like what Canada's doing. It's like when they say this is what's happening in Australia and somehow they're automatically... Tra- we are better than Australians and Canadians. At everything. So it doesn't necessarily track. Uh, in saying that, uh, Clive James uh, was an Australian once upon a time, uh, although finished up sort of being more English by the end of it all. Uh, but unfortunately, he's he's not anything anymore. He's died. Very sad morning for uh, the passing of Clive James. Uh, dead at the age of 80 years, sick for the last 10 years. And of course, given he's been sick for the last 10 years, he's talked a bit about it. It doesn't bother me. Dying, I'm against that. Mm. I would like it to be as painless as possible, please and with as much entertainment mixed in as we can manage. Well, you once said there's one thing certain about life, and that is you never, you'll never leave the world alive. You don't get out of life alive. I think I stole that from a movie. And uh, it's, it's, it's certain. And it's useless to protest against. What you should do is count your blessings you've lived so long. Some of my friends didn't. One of my fondest memories, Park Royal Hotel Christchurch, sat there for about an hour with him, just chatted with him. It was just absolutely fantastic to be in the company of a, a real genius. And you don't want to use that word too often these days, but he was. Cultural Amnesia is my recommendation. Very highfalutin book. Uh, a little bit much for me. Blew my mind, but nevertheless, one of his uh, better works, Cultural Amnesia. Unreliable memoirs. That's what started it all for me. Absolutely brilliant. Falling Towards England is another one. A North Face of Soho, very clever. The Crystal Bucket, which was mainly about his time as a television critic. And, what, and he really revolutionised the industry of television critics because he wasn't just a bloke who watched a television programme. He wrote it in such a brilliant, brilliant brilliant way. It was a piece of art and work within itself. And The Dreaming Swimmer is another one. But basically pick up anything you wrote. You can't go wrong. I used to love uh, watching his TV shows, his interview shows, his shows, you know, reviewing what was happening with TV and the news. Uh, very influential on me. I liked his sense of humour. Uh, I liked the fact that uh, he was pretty deadpan and also made fun of himself, probably just as much as anybody else. Um, I've gone on to not be nearly as funny as him, of course. But you can try. Every day you can keep trying. 
Um, nothing funny about gangs, really. Although it is weird some of the things they buy when they're laundering their money. So I'm watching the announcement yesterday. The Comanchero's vice president, somebody called Tyson Daniels, and his lawyer, guy called Andrew Simpson, plead guilty to money laundering millions of dollars. And this goes back to Simon Bridges this week and getting tough on gangs. Now, when these guys got busted a number of months ago, what did they get? They got a couple of Range Rovers, a whole bunch of Harleys and a Rolls Royce. Now, tell me this. And I don't like to criticise the police, but if you're the police and you're monitoring gangs, and I'm assuming they're monitoring gangs, maybe I'm naive and they're not monitoring gangs, and that's the problem, and that's why the numbers are exploding. If you're looking at the Comancheros as a police force, and you're seeing head Comanchero driving a Rolls-Royce Wraith, value $600,000, is nobody anywhere joining the dots and going, hmm, I wonder where he got the money for that? or the Harleys, or the Range Rovers. So why aren't we busting these people sooner and more often? How is it a guy gets to go in and buy a Rolls Royce as a gang member and nobody anywhere goes, there's something not quite right here? Well, only raptors can detect that kind of behaviour. Yeah, I mean, are there actual raptors on leashes with this new gang-busting squad? I would like to see that. A sort of Jurassic Park-style, you know, controlled with special whistles or something. Uh, stop being stupid. I oh, know, actually, we can keep being stupid for a little bit longer. Hi, Mike. Uh, read the Rolls-Royce, two calls. First to the NZTA, who sold the car. Second to the car sales, who bought it and how do they pay for it. That's five minutes' work in total. Peter, it's a very good point. And the police, I think, would argue uh, they don't have the laws. So, in other words, you can't in this country simply wander up to Bob and go, Bob, you look like you've got a car you can't afford. So, you know, they flip the law to a degree, and this is the proceeds of crime, and this is the business whereby you really need to prove that you did whatever you've got legitimately as opposed to nefariously. But this is probably where Simon Bridges has got a very good point, and that is that we need sort of laws in this country that go, look, you're in a gang and you're driving a lot of Harleys and a lot of Range Rovers and a lot of Rolls Royces. None of it adds up until you can prove how it adds up. You're not having the cars back. It's as simple as Send that. Send in the Raptors. Get, get the Raptors in. I would love to buy a car with cash. Imagine, imagine the reaction of the car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> just put a you know like a like a sports bag of cash. Will they put Tony the Raptor Soprano Force? style down on the on the table? Well, they used to. Every now and again, you heard the odd story of a person buying it on a credit card, and you got free air points around the world. That's always quite cool. Yeah, it'd be. I, I can't imagine uh, a car dealer refusing cash. That's all I'm saying. I'm just putting myself mentally in that situation. Uh, possibly his heart stopping and falling over. I can imagine that happening. Um, but not refusing it. No matter how gangy you look. I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, that was the rewrap for Thursday. Be back again uh, tomorrow. Uh, why don't you make an offer in cash today? See how it goes.